Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor Podcast. I'm Dr. Taves and it's my pleasure to help you feel empowered and break free from the fear and dependence that come from suffering with headaches and migraines. And on today's podcast, what we are going to talk about is my theory behind the genetic component of migraines or why migraines are hereditary. And when we look at at what the research is showing us, there is actually potentially a genetic component, but definitely a hereditary component of headaches and migraines. And, And what we actually find is that migraines with aura are four times more likely. So the a first degree relative is four times more likely to um, experience that same migraine with aura. And then if you have migraine without aura, you're actually 1.9 times more likely to experience a migraine without an aura if you're a first degree relative of someone who has this same condition. So we're going to talk about that. When I meet with patients, there are several things that they will bring up as sort of barriers or, or sort of misunderstandings and that will be barriers to them wanting to, to take the leap to, to go through this process of seeing their neck as the problem and treating their neck. And this is one of the more common areas. And so I want to take you through, um, I'm calling it my theory behind the genetic component of migraines or the hereditary component of migraines because I can't necessarily prove that this is true. With a lot of of what I'm doing, there are traces of research um, in different areas of what I do to back and validate and and further give evidence of this is this is it's valid. It's something that we should be looking at. There's actually a robust amount of evidence understanding that referral pattern from the neck through the brain stem into the brain, and then we realize it as coming as head or facial pain. Um, that's very well understood, that pathway from the neck and, and referring it into the head and the face. There's also it's also well understood that migraine-like symptoms like the nausea, sensitivities to lights and sounds, and um, the visual disturbances, these sort of odd sensations that patients will get can come from what's called a cervicogenic headache or a neck problem. So that C1 and C2 area can cause those symptoms. We've seen that before. We have studies that say that manual therapy or hands-on treatment can help a cervicogenic headache with those types of symptoms. And so a lot of what I talk about has research to back it up. But when we look at where the data is going and where the money's being spent and where these universities are putting their efforts... It really is into the pharmaceutical realm, and and one of the other sort of components of that is this genetic research that is being done within headaches and migraines, which which is fine. We should be studying these types of things to better understand them, but the gaping hole in our healthcare system is how the musculoskeletal system can cause this type of pain, and I believe if we fully understood, if the researchers, the PhDs, the MDs, if we fully understood how the neck functioning or the lack of function in the neck and how that uh, plays into the same pathway of pain and, and the same experience of a headache and migraine and how that is the most likely scenario when you think about our 12-pound head sitting on a very mobile part of our neck. And uh, after we evaluate over and over again these patients that are coming up with the same problem in the neck, I think our research and I think our our, our 
financial backing would be into this musculoskeletal realm of looking at the neck, what is happening in these patients. And then we'd look at this genetic or hereditary component more from a musculoskeletal perspective. So what we know right now as far as from a from a genetic component, one site said there's there's about 12 gene associations, another one said about 40. So the research is showing that there is some gene association. So they take thousands of people with migraines and then thousands of people without. They look at their genes and they figure out what do the people that have migraines have in common. And so they're seeing that an association with certain types of genes. One of those genes is responsible for a, a protein that is assisting in the pain pathway that could potentially predispose someone or set someone up that would be, you know, potentially more likely to have headaches or migraines. So that's that's a gene that what the research is saying is is that there's an association with these people that have migraines that have this gene that then uh, creates or the sort of the mapping of this protein that's that's responsible for some of the pain signaling within migraines. So that's kind of like grasping for straws type stuff. Even the data as I was reading it said that in, in sort of the assessment section, it, it was saying that there's all these associations that individually, it's it's probably nothing. It's probably not enough for you to experience a headache or migraine. But if we clump all those together, then maybe there's there's more to it here. Um, that That's a more robust argument, but it's still it's still not really enough to say like, hey, now we know what's happening or now we have the answer. But they're, they're just finding these sort of like associations. So again, an association is fine. And, and not to say we shouldn't research this stuff. I think we should. And, and it's good. It's helpful to have this information. But what you, the migraine and headache sufferer, are really wanting is to know the source of pain, the cause, and then how to treat it. And so Doing this genetic research gets us to the point where we say, okay, yeah, there is potentially a gene association related to migraine with an aura, but it doesn't necessarily get you to the point of finding a solution. And so basically the recommendation was if you and your mom share the same genetic components that may be leading to uh, you being more susceptible to migraines, then you can Talk to your mom about what triggers she's found and then avoid those same triggers. And so it all it all sort of circles back to this medication avoiding trigger type of scenario. And so that's that's the depressing part about having headaches and migraines is that those are the, really the only two solutions that are provided. And so even if there is a genetic component, that's sort of where they circle back to. So with or without understanding that genetic component you're still left just sort of searching for what triggers do I avoid? What is my body sensitive to? What medication works for me? And then once once you find that medication or once you realize what that trigger is, then you're just going through life always with that medication right by your side so that you can take it right when the headache starts to, or the migraine starts to onset. Or you're always avoiding that trigger, that specific, whether it's something in your diet or barometric pressure changes, which can't really avoid. But oftentimes people will start searching, you know, where in the U.S. do I move to to a, um, have a more stable like weather system so there's not these dramatic changes in pressure. And really, it's still taking over your life. And that's why I say that I 
my, my mission is to empower people to break free from this life of fear and dependence. That fear and dependence comes from a lack of a solution and a lack of a treatment approach. And really, all of that goes back to we don't understand the source of the pain itself. So in my experience, in my practice, I have worked with patients that have migraine with aura, migraine without aura. I've worked with familial hemiplegic migraines. So that's when you get a migraine and you feel like one half of your body is uh, sort of having a stroke or, or losing function or strength. And all those different types of migraines have gotten better. Now, that familial hemiplegic migraine is one that has a strong connection. That's why it's called familial. It has a strong connection to this hereditary or genetic component. And um, so you may be passing this down to your, your daughter or your son. But what I want you to understand is just because there is a genetic component or believed to be a genetic association. is So a genetic association is all that we have proof of right now does not mean that there's not a solution. It doesn't mean that you will be stuck tied to medication, tied to avoiding your triggers for the rest of your life. And I don't want this to be one of those areas that you rule out your neck as the source of pain or you rule out anything other than a pharmaceutical intervention helping you. And you're just kind of waiting for like, oh, we need more gene research to be done so that then I can have my solution. What I want you to be encouraged by is that all these different types of migraines can be sourced back to the neck, and they likely are to be sourced back to the neck. And so why would you be passing a neck problem down to your son or daughter? And I want to talk a little bit about that. So my theory is that you, the migraine sufferer, let's say you have a son or a daughter who's in middle school, maybe they're in adolescence, and they are starting to develop headaches. Maybe they've complained of a migraine, and you're and you're kind of wondering, are they going to have the same experience I do? And then you're a bit fearful because you know what you went through, and you don't want them to experience the same thing. So not only could this be um, helpful for you to understand as a solution, but also it'll allow you to to be able to assist uh, your son or daughter in finding a solution to this process. Now, when we think about the musculoskeletal system, so when I say that, I'm talking about our skeletal structure, the muscles, tendons, ligaments that hold us upright and allow us to move. As a physical therapist, that's what I understand better than anyone, not better than anyone in the world, but as a profession, as a degree, as a career path, that's what physical therapists are experts in. There's not another degree or specialty that should know how the body moves and how to restore function from a pain perspective better than physical therapists. Um, it's not there. There's actually not a tract within the MD world that understands movement and how to restore movement in a conservative manner better than physical therapy. So physical therapy are the experts in this category, and that's why this neck problem fits so well into what I do. Okay, so if we're if we're looking at your musculoskeletal system, your posture, how you move, and so what's happening is. You are designed in, in a specific way. Your genes are creating this, your skeletal system in a way that makes you a certain height. Uh, you have certain muscle functions. Maybe you have more fast twitch fibers, so you're going to be uh, a better sprinter. Maybe you have more slow twitch fibers, and you're going to be 
more endurance runner. Maybe maybe you're you're more predisposed to to weight gain, or maybe you have a higher metabolism and you have a hard time gaining weight. Uh, maybe you have blonde hair, or brown hair. I mean, it's our genes are, are creating how we look and how we appear, and so we have to understand that when it comes to our our posture and how we how we stand and how our skeletal stru- structure is is shaped and formed that is also something that we are inheriting from our mom and dad and so how we look is is not just an appearance thing but it's also a functional thing and so how we function is important to consider so if mom or dad has suffered with migraines and their body has been predisposed or they've suffered from this neck problem which has been sending pain into the head and they're experiencing this excruciating head or facial pain from a neck problem that same neck problem could likely could happen in the son or daughter because they have the same genetic components that allowed their body to have the same skeletal structure posturing movement predisposition to the same um, type of function that mom or dad had. So let me explain this. If you are someone that um, now it's known, let's think about posture. So let's say that mom or dad knows like they tend to slouch or they have kind of that, it's called a dowager's hump at the upper part of the back. They have a little hump there. Or let's say like, hey, grandma is really, it's called kyphotic position. They're kind of slouched over, they're, they're hunched over. And then You know, the daughter doesn't want to be in that same situation. So it's known that posture will kind of carry over from generation to generation. Now, the implications of carrying posture over from one generation to another, then we have to assume that's also there. Now, if a certain posture is going to predispose someone, if they're going to be more likely to then have this sort of neck injury, then we need to consider that. So that's one scenario. If you are someone that tends to have a more rounded shoulder forward head positioning and then your son or daughter has that same sort of static posturing, then they are more likely to develop tension in the back of the head, restrictions in the upper part of the neck, which is then going to lead to this pain pattern, uh, which is a headache or a migraine. Another scenario, so you are someone that is very hypermobile. Let's say the mom, for example, was a dancer or she was a gymnast or maybe she's just hypermobile and she has these, she's double jointed. Um, usually people are aware of that. They know that they're double jointed. Maybe you stand with your knees sort of locked out, hyperextended, or you can hyperextend your elbows or things like that. So just because mom has that means it's likely that the daughter will have that or the son will have that. And so your child having this same hypermobility, um, we have to understand and think through what happens with that. So it's not just, okay, you have hypermobility. There is a function tied to that. And then a sort of, again, this predisposition for certain types of injuries. So someone that is hypermobile Let's think of the soccer female soccer player who has a significant increased risk of an ACL injury, and they've done studies on that. And there's there's sort of different theories, but it'll come down to their their hypermobility in within their knee joint means that they're less stable, and so that lack of stability during a, a sport like soccer where they're cutting and rotating and pivoting, those sort of stresses on the knee can lead to that ACL tear. 
Now, what else can hypermobility lead to? Well, when you think about the neck, the head weighs about 12 pounds and it sits on a very mobile part of the neck. Now, this is true for anyone. The upper two joints do most of our movement, whether it's nodding, rotation, or side bending. And that mobility for anyone means that it's going to be more likely to sustain an injury. One, when there's trauma, but two, just in sort of everyday situations, if there's increased stress placed through the neck, the upper part of the neck is the most likely spot to sustain an injury from that increased stress. So in general, people are going to be more prone to injury in the upper part of the neck. But when we look at hypermobile patients, they are far more likely to experience this type of injury in the upper part of the neck because um, they're already hypermobile. So they have that much less stability. So it's a, it's a principle that you learn in physical therapy school that um, stability, so mobility, um, is sacrificing stability and likewise. Now, it doesn't have to, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but it, for the most part, like your hip joint is very stable. And so it, it doesn't necessarily have this 180 degrees of movement. Like you can't bring your hip and extend it very far. You can flex it, but you can't extend it very far. And that's because the hip socket is stabilizing the leg bone in the hip joint itself. Whereas this 12 pound head sitting on a very mobile part of the neck it's like holding, it's like I explained last time, holding that bowling ball up. And so it's going to be prone to injury. And that hypermobility is something that can be passed down from your parents to you. All right. So not only posture and the static positioning, but it's also the hypermobility that could be predisposing your son or daughter to this same type of injury. So it's not that you are passing migraines down to your son or daughter. It is that you are passing your musculoskeletal system and your same structure and your same type of functional movements, which may be predisposing them to the same type of injury. So just because your son or daughter was born with this stuff does not mean that they are guaranteed to have headaches or migraines, but because they were born with potential hypermobility or um, a, a posture that's going to uh, be more prone to this type of thing, this type of injury, then they are more likely to experience that. And that's why we see it four times more likely in this scenario or 1.9 times more likely in this scenario. That's how I reason with this. That's, that's how I make sense of it. And the reason why I want you to um, understand that and the reason I can be passionate and confident about that is because the solution that we have when that is the answer is that we restore mobility to the upper part of the neck and that is the solution out of that. It is not a solution of continued medication and avoiding triggers. It's a solution that actually finds the source of pain and corrects it. It finds a very objective problem that the body is dealing with and a very reasonable explanation for why you're having pain and it corrects it. And it also answers why mom or dad can have the same problem that you have and then how that can be passed down from generation to generation. So again, that's my theory. 
on the hereditary or the genetic component of headaches and migraines. I hope that makes sense to you. And I hope by the time we're done with my career, we can do research on this and, and get to the point of like, yeah, this is this is what is happening. And everyone can be on the same page, medical doctors, dentists, optometrists, physical therapists, and the PhDs that are in the labs researching. I hope we start to realize that the musculoskeletal system can explain and connect a lot of these dots. Again, I am Dr. Taves. I go by the Headache Doctor on social media. Uh, my clinic is Novera Headache Center. And I would appreciate it if you are at home and feeling helpless or hopeless that you book a virtual visit with me and we can, I can help you through this process. The other thing that is hugely helpful is if you subscribe to this podcast, share this podcast, rate this podcast, because the more people that we get this information in front of, the more impactful this can be, and the more people can be helped and their lives changed. And again, that is my mission to empower everyone. So everyone, help me hit that goal. Um, everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. Thanks for listening. 